day four without sports, and you're on your sixth episode of Love is Blind. <gasps> he punches his TV! <laughs> Love is Blind is intense, okay? And then pair that with the fucking Bachelor, all of us are losing our goddamn minds. <laughs> Five, four, three. Hey, everybody, this is Daniel. And this is Daniel. And Carlos a hoe. And we are Who's Your Homicide? A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Greetings. Boris, you have to stop. I, I love you. Please stop. <laughs> he's like, bone. bitch. I know it's the meanest thing. Walk over and take his bone from him. He's going to go get it and bring, bring it back, back over yeah. here. Or he's going to jump in your lap, one of the two. He didn't get to go play. So. So, where's Carla, one might ask? Or maybe no one would ask. I'm not sure. But by the time you're listening to this. You'll be on day. You'll probably be aware that uh, the the whole uh, toilet paper madness. Hand sanitizer crisis. That you'll be on day what? One, two, three, like four, day four, day five of quarantine? No, a week. By Thursday? Yes. A week? Well, I mean, the I don't sh- it's really started like last Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, I don't so. think anyone was doing it then. I don't know. Well, I guess not. I guess Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday is when it really started. Well, she was at school still on Thursday. Um, uh, I guess Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. But schools are, a couple schools had already closed. It doesn't matter until April 6th. We're all in quarantine because I'm stuck at home with her until school starts. It's called social distancing. Social, social <laughs> distancing. Yes, yes. And then It's also called putting lipstick on a pig. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Carla left for the week good in Chicago. Time. She had a good time, okay? But she had a great time. And she just knows she can't come around here. And there was a dude that just got off the plane from Singapore. And the government didn't test him whatsoever. No temperature check. No fuck you up the ass with a finger. Nothing. They did not Is that care. what it's called? Well, a anal gland check. Is that not how you test for... An anal cr- gland check? <laughs> no, is that what, it, is that what yeah. it's called when you do it? When yes. You check for the coronavirus. That's what I'll do. I'm going to go express your anals later. <laughs> So, yes, we almost didn't do an episode, I think, because it was like, well, she's not here. Maybe we'll just release an old episode or maybe a Patreon one. But I was like, no, everyone is so bored and they're trapped inside their house. We should do something. That's right. So here we are. Doing something. Well, it's just especially bad because my our dad has had open heart he's a, surgery. He's a cardiac patient. Yeah, he's a cardiac patient. So it's like, you know, he, he would really, not do too well with full blown pneumonia. If yeah. It turns into that. So he really cannot get sick. He's going to be doing some baking for a while, I guarantee, with the wrong size pans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to do something to keep busy. Yeah. I'm trying not to think about it, really. Like, it's almost, it would have been spring break anyways, which she gets two weeks off of, because why would they have them in I school? wonder if they'll prorate the price of the no. preschool for the month. They're never going to do that. So we're driving over, because she's going over to my parents. So we have to stay away from people that could be, like, as best as we can, you know, I know. It's not 100% because I need my mom and dad's help with watching her and Daniel's parents' help with watching her. So if I'm out exposing our kid to like whatever, 
And it's like, oh, it's not a big deal if we get sick. You know, it's not, it's a fever and whatnot. I was like, sure, that's fine. I can handle it. Daniel cleans up my vomit. He can handle me having a fever. But. Well, and my mom had. Your you know, mom my, had breast cancer. My mom had breast cancer last year. So it's like. And she still has to take that pill that makes you feel like doo-doo half the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it sucks. It could be a lot worse. I know. So but we just would rather our boomers not die. So when I went to the grocery store tonight, funny you mentioned that. Yeah. I I had to I had to pray for strength from the Lord that I didn't yell out, motherfucker. <laughs> so there is a guy that is probably gotta be in his late sixties. Okay. Okay. Late sixties, early seventies. And he's standing there in front of the fucking pot pies. I need me some pot pies. He takes his list and puts it in his mouth. Oh, Opens the door, and he is pulling out one pot pie after the other and reading it. Reads it, puts it back. Pulls up another one. Reads it, puts it back. Grabs his paper out of his mouth. Oh, wait. Puts it back in his mouth. Reaches up. Grabs another pot pie. I stand there. I mean, I literally stood there for like 75 seconds and the entire time going, oh, my God. So, finally, I said, excuse me. Like, quit (laughs) touching things. Literally just licking the pot pie But that's what I'm saying. It's like you're putting your – and I really – I. Wanted to say, putting your fucking list in your mouth. And touching things and putting it back in your mouth. grabbing it out. I hope you're not sick. Viruses didn't exist when he was in school, so he doesn't know. Yes. I did see, I did see one lady, and we made eye contact, and she could tell I was <gasps> judging her. Yeah. But she 100% looked sick. Oh, no. Like, she looked like she had the flu. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is, and like. I'm like, oh. Maybe she had the oh. regular flu. I'd rather people with the regular flu still not be out. But, like, our daughter has a cold. Snot nose cold. And they called from school saying, I dropped her off for 45 minutes. And they're like, uh, we're pretty sure she has pink eye. And I was like, what? I was like, we've been getting her ready. I was like, this whole morning, no snot. Nothing. No cough, no rubbing of the eyes. And now, magically, she has fucking pink eye? Well, I farted on her pillow. <clears throat> I was pissed. And you were pissed. And you were calling him like, if we're going to pay $75 to take her to prompt care to prove she didn't have pink eye. When I got there, and her teachers are so nice, and I was really irritated by all of this. It wasn't them that decided it was the administrative people that neither want to have medical training. And... I was like, I looked at her eye and I was like, it was a little like crust like around it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it's on her left side, which her mom pointed out. And she's left handed. She was rubbing her eye with her left hand, but she had snot. Like uh, they could have said, hey, she's kind of like stuffed up and I think she's uncomfortable. Like she can't breathe through her nose. I would have said, I will come get her. Like yeah. I don't want her to be miserable at school for no reason. But it was the fact that they they wanted it to be something contagious. They couldn't call it the coronavirus because then everyone would be scatter. Like, cockroaches with the lights on and they knew it wasn't that because snot nose wasn't a symptom and they still want me to come get her so they're like what's something else that's contagious and they go pink eye call it pink eye that, that is what it felt yeah like. i was like what so they wanted they just wanted me to come get they're like we're being extra cautious they had her separated from all the kids when i came in to get her they had her separated at a table while all the other kids were on the other side of the room and i said to her teachers i was like I was like, if you guys think this is the virus, I didn't want, then everyone needs to go home like now. Yeah. And it's like, they just wanted me. And I was like, but also, and I'm sure she got this cold from school. So this also proves how ineffective they're being at preventing viruses in general. It's like, <laughs> it's like if she can still get this virus, you'll probably get that other one too. <coughs> I have a cough. <laughs> 
But in all fairness, you've had the cough for a couple weeks. Yeah, but no, before there were, well before this, we got a lot of dust in the house from sanding things. And yeah, that was the other thing is you can't tell. But that's what everyone says. Everyone oh, has I'm doing home construction. I was like, I'll take pictures of it. But yeah, so they sent her home, which it didn't, the school is closed now on Monday anyways, but I didn't mean to be so mad. I was just like, what? Yeah, I don't want her to be there uncomfortable, but it's not pink eye. Damn it. <laughs> And then our daughter, she's like, do I have Corona? And I was like, no, you don't have the No, corona. you're not old enough. Yeah. I was like, you're, you have a different virus. And that was like, regular viruses are still a thing during this virus pandemic. And then we're driving over to my parents and her friend that lives in the neighborhood is out with her mom on a walk. And they are saying hi through the car. And it just makes it so much worse. Like they want to come play with each other. And we can't, they just can't right now. And I was like explaining, you know, when I mentioned that, you know, Nina and Marky might die, I finally had to say that to her. Her eyes get real big. And she's like, excuse me. Well, then she wanted to understand. I explained it and she's okay. But I had to reiterate it again. Like we're staying away from our friends right now because we don't want Nina and Marky to get sick, especially Marky. She's like, are they going to die? And I was like, no, as long as we do a good job of like avoiding other people. And because if we get sick, then we have to stay in the house. And by golly, she goes, we're staying in the house anyway. <laughs> I was like, touche. <laughs> oh, man. She is smart. I go, she's, uh, it's one of those things. It's like, she's smart. That's good. But then she's harder to trick. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she did grab that real quick out of the air. She goes, snatching that up. And I was like, yeah, but we would have to stay in and couldn't even see, you know, Mima, people, and Nina, Mar- we couldn't come over to see them if we got sick. And so at least right now, she can see my mom. And dad and your mom did. But Carla cannot. She has to stay away for a couple weeks. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> she has to. Has to. They are closing pl- businesses down. Can't go to the bars. Can't, are they closed that's restaurants? Where it's, that's where it's starting to get bad. Yeah. The business is closing. Cause... It'll be closed for like St. Patrick's Day too, probably. Yep. People listening to this in the future, let us know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if the world's ended, this can be for posterity? Is that what they call well, it? Well, the, the world's not going to end, but, you know, hopefully the economy doesn't take yeah. a shit. I'll panic when the internet goes out. I think we're a ways away from the yeah. internet going out. Yeah, I'm okay. We're not panicking. It just sucks. This is the perfect time to panic. <laughs> I just don't want my boomers to die. So by that notion, other people benefit from my actions of staying home. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> and there might be another boom. Yeah. Because of everybody being bored and boinking. <gasps> That's what I was going to say. Please boink responsibly. Like, do you really need another copy of yourself that bad? Like, just think it through, okay? And if you're listening to the podcast like this. Especially in this world. I know. I was like, if you're banging because you're bored, just use some type of protection. We don't need a bunch more of you. I'm sorry. I appreciate you listening, but. Uh, we don't need a bunch more of us either. No more. There's already enough bastards in this world. <laughs> no, I stole that from Donnie Baker. <laughs> I'm sorry for everyone suffering through this. I have no advice except wash your goddamn hands. Right? Yeah. This and is- this is a practice run for when the big one hits. And I have that other song, the people in their masses to buy toilet paper for their asses. Yes. <laughs> I hope Carla does not get sick. I appreciate her participation in the podcast. But hey, what's the benefit, though, if you do get it? Is that... You can no longer... Pa- you supposedly... Dr. Daniel? Yeah. Well, I mean, this was in... 
I don't know if the CDC put this out or who put it out, but it was on a news article, I think, in the Boston Globe. There so. you go. That sounds reputable. You would you would hope, but um, or actually no, no, it was something Barack Obama put on Twitter. So it may Facebook or may not or be true, depending on your political persuasion. So, but it was an, well, it was an article posted. I it might have even been by the CDC that basically said that once you've had it and you've recovered for it, you cannot transmit the disease. You can't get it again, and you can't transmit it to an otherwise healthy person. Okay, so don't quote us on that, but that might be true. Because that's how this, that's how the disease quits spreading is mm-hmm. eventually so many healthy people have had it. And once you've had it, you can go, fuck you, I'm going out in public. Yeah. Coughing on everyone. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we need to play Oogie Mouth. Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what? You know, from South Park where they all try to give, everyone tries to get the chicken pox. Yes. So they make them kids. Yeah. Yeah. They make them. So if you're healthy, you need to go get it. And then that way you can't give it to the old people. Self-inoculation. That's what that is. Yeah. If you could volunteer for that, be gone for two weeks to give you a little stimulus, you still get paid. I'd volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yep. They get caught up on a lot of sleep. Maybe because Frozen Two came out. That's a big deal. I I can just be in the other side of the house, <laughs> the massive house, the other side where we can still hear each other yelling. What? <laughs> I have a loud fan. Yeah, that's true. Earplugs. <laughs> okay, let's start the game. Okay. This topic i have no idea how to connect this maybe we'll figure it out as we go has been covered before it's not new but it's still interesting and only today did i connect that there was something to do with indiana about it through the website murder by gaslight which is a very good website it's all old timey murders with great drawings of people stabbing each other and dramatic poses and expressions Okay. Yeah. More simple time when all you had to worry about dying from was the bubonic plague. Oh, yeah. And some other ones, too. Right? Scarlet fever. Was that one of them? Yes. Yeah. So this is from- And they had Lysol douches. What? Yeah. You had to drink Lysol? No. I've seen an an old ad from like the early 20th century that you use Lysol to douche. I I will find it. We can post it up. We will find it. You, You can say yes. Daniel was telling the truth, just like Dr. Pepper makes your snatch smell. Oh, that was so fucked up, that rabbit hole. It was a stinky rabbit hole. <laughs> it was. And this week, Danielle and I proved it to be true. No, 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 no. I don't like Dr. Pepper anyways. Yeah, because it smells your yoo-hoo, smell, smell like poo-poo. Stop it. So, this is from Wikipedia, My Favorite Murder, Last Podcast on the Left, and Murder by Gaslight. Those are the ones that I listened to and or read or copied and pasted from. Daniel. Danielle. Have you heard of the Bloody Benders? I've heard of the Peaky Blinders. Mm, close. Maybe eh, maybe kind of close. This is an old-timey one, which makes it all the better. So you have to start with the sound of film, like 8mm film yeah. running and like some piano music. Maybe I'll put that in. In October 1870. Daniel, what were you in? In 1870. 1870, mm-hmm. in a nutsack in okay. San Anifa, Sicily. Okay. Five families of spiritualists homesteaded in and around northwest Lebec County, Kansas. Lebec County, if I mispronounce something, don't come for me. I'm only human. One of the families was John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr., who registered 160 acres of land located adjacent to the Great Osaga Trail. O-S-A-G-E. Osaga Trail? 
Hmm. See, I'm too paranoid about the stuff. If I ever do stuff, I like have to look up how to pronounce it. I remember. No, I looked it up and I heard someone say it. I just can't remember now. I know, but then I'll write out an enunciation next time. <laughs> Should I stop and look? Like penis. I would put p n us. So I would I think know it's it. Osaga. So, P-N-U-S. Osage. Penis. Okay, thank you. Anyways, which was then regime. It was the only open road for traveling further west. So that's important. It's like, this is the route you take. There's not a whole lot of other ones. Okay. In the fall of 1871, Elvira Bender is a name. That is a name. Huh. You know what it makes me think of? What? Elvira the, what was her name? Elvira the something of the dark. She was the lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what it, yeah. She had her tits. Yep. It definitely had tits. Yeah. That's what I remember. Good. And her daughter, Kate, arrived. And the cabin was divided into two rooms by a canvas wagon cover. The benders used the small room at the rear for living quarters, while the front room was converted into a general store where a few dry goods were sold, including tobacco, crackers, sardines, candles, powder, and shots. So, like, gunpowder. No toilet paper? <clears throat> nope. No toilet paper. Mm. The front section also contained the kitchen and dining table where travelers could stop for a meal or even spend the night. So, an Airbnb? Or is it just a bed and breakfast? Because people are staying with you in the house. So it's not very big. That, that The idea of that, I know a lot of people are cool with it. The idea of that freaks me the fuck yeah. out. Yeah. I think I listened to one story somewhere where a couple was staying in a bed and breakfast. And when she went to get her camera developed, there were pictures of her and her husband sleeping. Someone like got, a, got in and took their pictures. Like as a nice gesture maybe, but also really fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> You have like just a canvas dividing rooms and stuff like your siblings sharing rooms and you put the curtain. I'm like, this is my side of the cabin. And it's but that's like they can still hear you fucking like that ain't enough. You need some walls, at least Oi! quarter Oi! inch walls. John Bender Sr. was around 60 years old and spoke very little English. When he did speak, it was so guttural that it was usually unintelligible. Like the guy from. Oh, the water boy? Yeah. Have a boy in that funny area you're going? Yeah. <laughs> I knew you could do it. I thought it was funny. Farmer Fran. Oh, okay. Elvira Bender, who also allegedly spoke very little English, was 55 years old. Where are they from? I'm getting there. Kansas. But they're not from Kansas. Like, everyone is a settler. Like, people are arriving. So we're arriving. not Kansas anymore. Toto. The lion's name is Toto. Oh, okay. Her lion. Okay, Elvira Bender, who also spoke very little English, 55, and was so unfriendly that her neighbors took to calling her a she-devil. She-devil. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an interesting movie. Is that a movie? Yeah, Roseanne Barr. Okay. John Bender Jr. was around 25 years old, handsome with auburn hair and a mustachioed man, and spoke English fluently but with a German accent. John was prone to laughing aimlessly, dog. which led many to consider him a halfwit. So he just was always fucking giggling, like something's always real fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just got an inside joke that you don't know nothing about. It's not his fault. They're like, there he goes. He's laughing again. He's laughing again. <laughs> if he'd been upset, he would have been a sauerkraut. <laughs> what? Oh, fucking sauerkraut. Sauerkraut? I could say that because I have German, German in my family. We did, Daniel. Yes, we did find out this week. That, yeah. Anyway. We'll... But sauerkraut under low lighting 
looks like pulled pork. It is not. I promise. It is not pulled pork. As your dad found red, out. Like red onion sour. I don't know. It's terrible. Anyways, Kate Bender, who was around 23, spoke English well with very little accent. The description of Kate ranges from a large, masculine, red-faced woman to good-looking, well-formed, rather bold in appearance. That's what I strive for. Rather bold in appearance. All right. So it was either Mama June <laughs> or Jennifer Lawrence. A number of sources agree that she had a ruddy complexion, so like red face, and she may have been red. So she was an alcoholic. Maybe. A self-proclaimed healer and psychic, she distributed flyers advertising her supernatural powers and her ability to cure illnesses. Like Miss Cleo? Yes. Call me now. She also conducted seances. I was just real disappointed when I found out she was a fraud. Because hmm, you put a lot of hard-earned money into her. Yep. She conducted seances and gave lectures on spiritualism. Kate's popularity became a large attraction for the Benders Inn. So they're making money probably with put peddling her around because people can't diagnose or treat anything. No one has any hand sanitizer yet. So She was like Rasputin. Yes. What the fuck? The Benders were widely believed to be German immigrants. No documentation or definitive proof of their relationship to one another or where they were born has ever been found. Kate was believed to be Elvira's fifth daughter. Some of the Bender's neighbors claim that John and Kate were not brother and sister, but actually common-law husband and wife. Maybe both. There's no way to know. I got it. They're from West Virginia. Virginia. How many people listen from West Virginia? I don't know. I'd have to look. <laughs> You've offended all of them greatly. Though they kept to themselves, the Benders attended church and town meetings and seemed to be ordinary rural family. Except for Kate. Because she's a spiritualist. And a psychic. And a psychic. Who didn't see that coming? Mm -mm. I get it. In May 1871, the body of a man named Jones, who had his skull crushed and his throat cut, was discovered in Drum Creek. In February 1872, the bodies of two men were found who had the same injuries as Jones. By 1873, reports of missing people who had passed through the area had become so common that travelers began to avoid the trail. It's like, don't go that way. You get fucked up. <laughs> the area was already widely known for horse thieves and villains, and vigilance committees often arrested some of the for disappearances only for them to later be released by authorities. Vigilance committees is a neighborhood watch. Was there a hen number on the horses to identify them? <laughs> yeah. A horse identification number. I get it. Get it. Get it. Check its hoof. Many innocent men under suspicion were also run out of town by the committees. The neighborhood watch. Boy, what a time. Mm -hmm. we, we need to run them out of town. They look suspicious. I like it. In the winter of 1872, George Newton Longcore and his infant daughter Mary Ann left Independence, Kansas to resettle in Iowa and were never seen again. In the spring, uh, yeah, and I think his wife died in childbirth and it, the daughter, he was like, I need to go home. I cannot do this on my own. There's no shame in that. In the spring of 1873, George's former neighbor, Dr. William Henry York, went looking for them and questioned homesteaders along the trail. Dr. York reached Fort Scott and on March 9th began the return journey to Independence, but never arrived home. Uh-oh. Dr. York had two brothers, Colonel Ed York, living in Fort Scott, and Alexander M. York, a member of the Kansas State Senate. So now people that are like higher up are going to be real pissed off if their brother is dead. They knew of his travel plans, and when he failed to return home, an all-out search began for the missing doctor. 
Colonel York, leading a company of some 50 men, questioned every traveler along the trail and visited all the area homesteads. So they're doing like a door-to-door search. On March 28, 1873, Colonel York arrived at the Bender's Inn, explaining to them that his brother had gone missing and asked if they had seen him. They admitted that Dr. York had stayed with them and suggested the possibility that he had been run that he had run into trouble with Native the Americans. Blighters. <laughs> it says Indians on Wikipedia. I'm saying Native Americans. I'm a good person. There you go. Colonel York agreed that this was possible and remained for dinner. On April 3rd, Colonel York returned to the inn with armed men after being informed that a woman had fled from the inn after being threatened with knives by Elvira Bender. Elvira allegedly could not understand English, while the younger Bender denied the accusation. Like, you're accusing my mother of knife threatening. I am not taken to that kindly, madam. She's not. She's just German. She has a weird sense of humor. Yeah. When York repeated the accusation, Elvira became enraged that the woman was a witch who had cursed her coffee and ordered the men to leave her house, revealing for the first time that her sense of the English language was a bit better than she'd been letting on. Cursed her goddamn coffee. You know how rare coffee is? And I had to throw it out. <laughs> I don't know if coffee was rare or not. <laughs> if you call anyone a motherfucker, they understand English real fast. Yes. Uh, don't call. Don't do that. Before York left, Kate asked him to return alone the following Friday night, and she would use her clairvoyant abilities to help him find his brother. Oh, that's nice of her. The men with York were convinced that the Benders in a neighboring family, the Roaches, were guilty and wanted to hang them all. But York insisted that evidence must be found. He's a a smart man. You can't just hang everybody. We'll run out of rope. What is a saying I always hear? They'd bitch if you hung with a new rope. Yeah. Around the same time, neighboring communities began to make allegations that the community was responsible for the disappearances and a meeting was arranged by the Osaga Osage Township slash there's no way to know. The meeting was attended by 75 locals, including Colonel York and both John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr. after discussing the disappearances, including that of William York. I wrote it again. I'm not sure why. At least you didn't write. They were in there with Colonel Sanders. It was agreed that a search warrant would be obtained to search every homestead, despite York's strong suspicion regarding the Benders since his for, since his visit several weeks earlier. No one had watched them, and it was noticed several days later that they had, in fact, got the fuck out of town. Oops. Oh, they're like, getting out of here. Those people are nuts. Three days after the township meeting, Billy Toll was driving cattle past the Bender property when he noticed that the inn was abandoned and the farm animals were unfed, Toll reported the fact to the township trustee. But That's be- bad. Yeah. <laughs> but because of inclement weather, several days lapsed before the abandonment could be investigated. The township trustee called for volunteers and several hundred turned out to form a search party that included Colonel York. When the party arrived at the inn, they found the cabin empty of food, clothing, and personal possessions. So they did. They bounced. And they even had time to pack. They said, peace. So what they noticed, though, besides all their that personal shit was missing, a bad odor was noticed and traced to a trap door underneath a bed, nailed shut. After opening the trap, the empty room beneath was like six feet deep, seven feet at the top, and by three feet square at the bottom. So it like came down to like a cone shape. So it was wider at the top and then got more narrow at the bottom is how I read that. Like someone got lazy and didn't want to build it exactly, you know, 90 degree angles and shit. And that what was found, though, there were no body parts down there, like Gacy style. 
it was just clotted <laughs> blood. Right? Yes. In those cases, yeah. It, they just found a lot of clotted blood on the floor, which apparently still smells. The stone slab floor was broken up with a sledgehammer, but no bodies were found there either. So I think they actually like got people to move this damn house. Like just pick it up and move it. There's no plumbing or anything. And yeah, then they found more blood soaked into the soil. The men then yeah, physically lifted the cabin and moved it to the side so they could dig under it. Again, no more no bodies were found. Where these bodies be? Maybe it was Jeffrey Dahmer and he ate them. They then began to probe the ground around the cabin with a metal rod, especially in the disturbed soil of the vegetable garden and orchard, where Dr. York's body was found later that evening, buried face down with his feet barely below the surface. So they've been burying people in their crops. I don't know if that's good for the soil or not, but then you're like, your food is like dead body food. Or is that just a circle of life? Yes. Yes. But this is my theory that, like, if you if you murder someone, you call the cops, like, they, they were digging over there. And then once they leave, you put it where they were digging. Because disturbed soil is sometimes obvious. Like, it's been, it settles lower. And with a certain, like, lighting and stuff, you can tell that there's depressions in the soil. Especially in Kansas where everything is fucking flat. So I, I'm assuming it's flat. I have no proof. I've never been there. Footprint, footprint, footprint. Hole. Footprint, footprint, footprint. <laughs> Hole. The probing continued until midnight with another nine suspected grave sites marked before the men were satisfied they had found them all and retired for the night. Digging resumed the following morning. Another eight bodies were found in seven of the nine suspected graves, while one was found in the well. We're putting bodies in our water source? I don't know if they were using the well or not. Along with a number of body parts. One had their heads bashed with a hammer and their throats cut. And they, it- like, they were fans of lock and key. Oh, yeah, the well thing, yeah. The well lady. The well lady. That's well. Not well. Throat's cut, and it was reported in newspapers that all had been indecently mutilated. Not nicely mutilated. Indecently. Indecently. From the condition of the bodies and the arrangement of the house, the authorities were able to surmise how the killings were done. The table where customers took their meals was in a small booth formed by cloth partitions on both sides. So you're like... I think it was the head of the table. Like, here, have our seat of honor. It's so nice to have your random smelly ass coming through town. Please sit here. We'll give you the most food, too. I made that part up. I'm not sure. The partitions were... Have some pulled pork. (laughs) It's sauerkraut. Don't eat it. The partitions were close enough to the back of the chair that when sitting upright, the heads of the diner would indent the cloth. So it's like just fabric. Your head is leaning up against a little bit. A male bender, one of the two, would wait behind the cloth partition, and when the opportunity presented itself, they would smash the victim's skull with a stone breaker's hammer. The bodies were then thrown down the trap door into what would be called the slaughter pen, where their throats were cut to guarantee that they were dead. After dark, the bodies were removed and buried in the orchard. So that's how much so much clotted blood got down there. And they just, like, robbed them? Yeah. I mean, some people are saying, like, it wasn't just for robbery, you know, that sometimes it was just for sport. I'm like, but how do you, like, I don't know it's how much money. not very good sport. No. I, like, if you're coming through, I guess you could judge by how much money someone has, maybe how fancy their saddle is, or how many horses, or how many pots and pans they have with them. I don't know. But you may not know how much money in cash they have on their person. You don't just be like, how much money you got on you right now? And they're like, I'm not fucking telling you that. So you kill them and take whatever it is. You might hit a lot of money, might hit no money. But 
I don't I don't agree that they were just killing just for fun. I think it was fun for them, but they were also like, I want to make some money off of this. Well, of course, that's that's always why you, you know. Uh, a Kansas newspaper reported. If you're not that, profiting off your crimes. Why are you doing it? Why would you do it? A Kansas newspaper reported that the crowd was so incensed after finding the bodies that a friend of the benders named Brockman, uh, who was among the onlookers, was hung from a beam in the inn until unconscious, revived, interrogated as to what he knew, then hanged again. After a third hanging, they released him and he staggered home. Dude, I was really fucked up for a while after that. They let him go? Yeah, because he didn't really do anything. He was just a friend of theirs, like... So we're interrogating you under torture, under duress to find out what you know. And I, he may not have known anything. That wouldn't be suspicious in the least bit. Mm-hmm. Let's see. A Roman Catholic prayer book was found in the house with notes inside written in German, which were later translated. The text read, Joanna Bender, born July 30th, 1848. John Gebhardt came to America in July 18, question mark, question mark. Big Slaughter Day, January 8th in Hell departed. So it's like random phrases or dates. Like it's not anything that gave them solid information. But the word Big Slaughter Day is kind of creepy. Word of the murder spread quickly and more than 3,000 people, including reporters from as far away as New York City and Chicago, visited the site. The Bender cabin was destroyed by souvenir hunters who took everything, including the bricks that lined the cellar and the stone lining the well. And what did you do back then? Just take away. This yeah, is it's a souvenir. Genuine. And this isn't like, this is not a, like an unknown phenomenon. And that's why we're all fucked up the way we are now. Like, I have to know. As like, people take souvenirs of murder places. The one where it was like the trunk murderous. Like, people came through to tour that place. And he charged like 10 cents or whatever ahead to come through to see the like marks on the ground where the trunk had been drugged. And there's other ones where people were taking... There was a cake out on display and had raisins on the top. And people were taking the fucking raisins off the cake, you know, as souvenirs. So someone has a brick. <laughs> it's so gross. It is. Here's a mummified raisin. <laughs> yeah. it was, And it was a family that was slaughtered, too. Like, it was trauma. It was a bad one. And it's like, here, I want a souvenir of this so bad. So they take all the bricks. Hey, guys. You want to come over to my house and see my mummified raisins? I took <laughs> off a dead person's cake. <laughs> Who wants raisin cake anyways? That's gross. So uh, apparently, people in Kansas like no, I don't know where the raisin cake came from. I forget. What was it when they found out that the Roslyn's Bakery was rat infested, and they, oh. they people started saying those aren't chocolate sprinkles? <laughs> yeah, it's like don't eat that. Oh, gross. But yeah, so they're taking souvenirs. So someone's relative somewhere has bricks or something from this house, and then their great great granddaughter, whatever, who is fascinated by true crime, has this brick somewhere and doesn't even know what it is. You've got a brick. Grammy one. told me just to hang on to this brick and pass it down. I'm not sure what for. <laughs> I want to honor her wishes. I don't want to get haunted by her ghost. But my dad gave I have you a, a brick. brick. Yeah, but see, <laughs> that's a brick from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. And it is actually stamped. Yes. It's genuine brick. It's genuine. I don't know if there'd be any stamp on a bender well or some shit like you wouldn't know i don't think there'd be any way to prove it my brick is stamped 1909 yeah brick company 1909 see yeah people are fucked up it's not original for us to be obsessed with true crime it's not a new thing don't judge me for it judge me for my inability to pronounce cities and states and names thank you state senator alexander york offered a thousand bucks the equivalent of twenty one thousand dollars ish 
reward for the Benders family's arrest. Kansas Governor Thomas A. Osborne of the Ozzy Osbournes <laughs> offered, <laughs> I'm funny, offered a $2,000 or $42,000 today reward for the apprehension of all four. So some serious cash was laid out to find these fuckers. Although some of the victims had been quite wealthy, others had been carrying little of value on them. And it was surmised that the Benders had killed them simply for the sheer threat. Maybe it was kind of like getting a scratch off. Yeah, see, that's what I mean, but you're not going to, I'm not killing you just for fun. I mean, I'm sure they liked it, but it's like, but you might have a lot. You might have a little on you. I don't know. Testimony from people who had stayed at the Benders Inn and had managed to escape before they could be killed appeared to support the presumed execution method of the Benders. William Pickering said that when he had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of the stains on it, be like, no, that's fucking dirty. Like, you need to wash your, like, partitions. I wash mine all every two weeks. He was threatened with a knife by Kate Bender, whereupon he fled the premises. Deuces. Peace. A Catholic priest claimed to have seen one of the Bender men concealing a large hammer, at which point he became uncomfortable and quickly departed. Two men who had traveled to the inn to experience Kate Bender's psychic powers stayed on for dinner, but had refused to sit at the table next to the cloth, instead preferring to eat their meal on the main chop counter, which I um, the island. Kate then became abusive towards them, and a short while later, the two Bender men emerged from behind the cloth. At this point, the Custers began to feel a little uneasy and decided to leave, a move that most certainly saved their lives. The thing that I don't want to be rude, like I'm being here for dinner, maybe as a guest or whatever. I don't, I, I'll sit wherever you tell me. I don't want to be rude. And now you've got hammers and knives and shit. Well, I don't want to be rude. I'm a polite person. Mama told me to be polite. I should let you beat the fuck out of me and take all my stuff. No, no, they're like, I'm out of here. Polite or not, I don't have to come back. Your psychic powers are garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, detectives following wagon tracks discovered the Bender's wagon abandoned with a starving team of horses, which is the real crime, with one of the mares lame, just outside the city limits of- That seems like that'd be a good name for a folk band. Starving team of horses. Yeah. Outside the city limits of Thayer, 12 miles north of the end. They got like 12 miles. That's how long it takes to get places. It was confirmed that in Thayer, the family had bought tickets on the Leavenworth, Lawrence, and Galveston Railroad for Humboldt. Somewhere along the way, John Jr. and Kate left the train and caught the MK&T train south to the station in Red River County near Denison, Texas. From there, they traveled to an outlaw colony thought to be in the border region between Texas and New Mexico. They were not pursued as lawmen following outlaws into this region often never returned. So they separated, which is smart. And they think Kate and John Jr., who were probably married, went together. One detective later claimed that he had traced the pair to the border. We had found that John Jr. had died of apoplexy. We've looked at, what is apoplexy? I feel like we found this on one of the death certificates recently of a family member of yours. I think it's heart related. And they, because, you know, it's. Apoplexy. No, we saw this on um, Outlander. Oh, yeah. Is it then it's a He's, aneurysm? Right. It's a stroke that basically, I think, unconsciousness or incapacity resulting from a cerebral hemorrhage or stroke. Okay. Yeah, it uh, was on Incapacity Outlander. or speechlessness. Mm -hmm. That was a good episode. I like Outlander a lot. Everyone should go watch that while you're entrapped inside. Isn't that coming out again? <sighs> yeah. Well, it's on Netflix and then Stars is where it's at. It's great. It's historically accurate. Is it live, too. though? It's not. It's only the old season. 
on Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah, you'd have to start at the beginning anyways, and then you'd have to pay to watch Stars. I think it's like one, two, and three on Netflix. I could be wrong. It happened once or twice before. Today. <laughs> Today. Ma and Pa Bender did not leave the train at Humboldt, but instead continued north to Kansas City, where it is believed they purchased tickets for St. Louis. Really? Yeah. St. Louis. Sure? Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. You sure. Isn't that how Maybe you say it? you should it? look that up. No. Isn't that how? See, you have no faith. I have no faith in anything I say now. No. Several groups you of- lack, Your lack of faith is disturbing. Seven. Actually, it's not him that says that, is it? It's Darth Vader. I find your lack of faith disturbing. She likes the Star Wars book. It's like Live five. long and prosper. No, you stop that. It's like- <laughs> Five minute long story, and she's real freaked out by Han Solo frozen in the carbonite. Like her face kind of went pale and her eyes got real big when she thought that that really happened to a person. I was like, no, it's it's just a movie thing. Remember, we saw it at the Children's Museum, and then she's like, there's a body at the Children's Museum. Like, yep, we and keep then, one there. Then she called it something like the, the Meshamite. And then I was like, carbonite? <laughs> she did what you did, yeah, just made a word up. Slur it, you know, Meshamite. <laughs> And she wanted to make sure he got out okay. I was like, yeah. I was like, Princess Leia saves him. You know, she gets him out. It's okay. Right? Right. And then the giant lizard man, she chokes to get to death while in a bikini. <laughs> you mean the, you mean Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, that. Barf. Barfola. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> okay. I can stop. Anytime. Yes. I can stop anytime. Anytime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. I don't think it's I didn't think it's it was that funny actually. to begin with. <laughs> oh, that's a cough. <coughs> it's not funny. I just broke. I don't know. Several groups of vigilantes were formed to search for the benders. Many stories say that one vigilante group actually caught the benders and shot all of them but Kate, whom was then buried alive appropriately. Oh, okay. That's nice. Another group claimed that they caught the benders and lynched them before throwing their bodies into a river. Yet another claimed to have killed the benders during a gunfight and buried their bodies on the prairie. No one ever claimed the 3000 reward, which would have been $64,000-ish. The story of the benders' escape spread, and the search continued on and off for the next 50 years. Often, two women oh, traveling wow. together were accused of being Kate Bender and her mother. In 1884... Huh. An elderly man matched Paul Bender's description was arrested in Montana for a murder committed near Salem, Idaho, where the victim had Idaho. been where the victim had been killed by a hammer blow to the head. So now anyone that gets murdered from a hammer blow is them. A message requesting positive identification was sent to Cherry Valley, which I really think that's how it said, which is Kansas. What did you do? Just like remove the head and mail it? I don't know. It would have been more effective. But the suspect severed his own foot to escape his leg irons and bled to death. By the time a deputy arrived, identification was impossible due to decomposition. Despite the lack of identification, the man's skull was put on display as that of Paul Bender. We're just going to assume this was him. In a Salem saloon, the, the best place to put things on display. I like it. But until Prohibition forced its closure in 1920, similar to the bars being closed, from the coronavirus in 2020. And then the skull disappeared. Several weeks after this discovery of the bodies, Addison Roach and his son-in-law, William Buxton, were arrested as accessories. The people that lived near them. 
In total, 12 men of bad repute in general would be arrested, including Brockman, the guy that got hung over and over again just for being friends with the Benders. All had been involved in the... Okay, it says this as a statement. All had been involved in disposing of the victim's stolen goods with Mitt Cherry, a member of the vigilante committee, implicated for forging a letter from one of the victims informing the man's wife that he had arrived safely at his destination in Illinois. So, it says it as a statement on Wikipedia that they 12 men were arrested and all had helped dispose of the victim's good. Like, why are you disposing of the goods? Like, wouldn't you be using that shit? So I don't know what that means. And then one of the members of the vid- of the neighborhood watch was not watching like he was supposed to be. He was participating and he forged a letter. So it's like, then he must have known what was going on. And was he getting paid like under the table for not ratting him yes, out? Yes, he was being paid in Charmin. Charmin. And hand sanitizer. <laughs> so I don't fully understand that. But here we are. Brockman would be arrested again. Okay, here, this man deserved to be hung over and over. Brockman would be arrested again 23 years later for the rape and murder of his own 18-year-old daughter. So, Oh, okay. So okay. he was a piece of shit and deserved yeah. it. Yeah, okay. he did. It's okay. On October 31st, 1889, it was recorded that a Mrs. Almira Monroe and a Mrs. Sarah Eliza Davis had been arrested in Niles, Michigan several weeks earlier for larceny. They were released after being found not guilty, but were then immediately rearrested for the Bender's murder. So anytime they have two women, an older and a younger together. According to the Pittsburgh Dispatch, the daughter of one of the Bender's victims, Mrs. Frances E. McCann, had reported the pair to authorities in early October after tracking them down. Mrs. McCann's story came from dreams that she had about her father's murder, which she discussed with Sarah Eliza. The women's identities were later confirmed by two Osage Township witnesses from a tintype photograph. The metal ones? Yes. Yeah, those are cool. A Dugaryotype. Who? Nah, that might not be right. I took a uh, photo history. Oh, you did? You went to public school. Dugaryograph. All I know is tintype. Dugaryotype. Hmm. First type of photograph. I think that's right. That was the first photograph ever taken. Of a woman's vagina? What is that? It's a vagina. Okay. I don't know. It's like a castle or a house or something. Okay, well, you're going to take a picture of something. In mid-October, Deputy Sheriff Leroy Dick, I can pronounce Dick. Yes, you can. The Osage Township trustee who had headed the search of the Bender property arrived in Michigan and arrested the two women. Mrs. Monroe resisted, declaring that she would not be taken alive, but was subdued and taken alive. They won't take me alive. <laughs> Mrs. Davis claimed that Mrs. Monroe was Ma Bender, but that she herself was not Kate. Like I, That woman is that woman, but I'm not her daughter. Yes. And she was really the sister, Sarah. I was like, did she have a sister? She later signed an affidavit to that effect. While Mrs. Monroe continued to deny the identification and in turn accused Sarah Eliza. I'm not that person and I'll sign that I'm not that person. person. And that proves I'm not that person. She accused Sarah Eliza of being the real Kate Bender. So they're just turning on each other. Deputy Sheriff Dick, along with Mrs. McCann, escorted the pair to Oswega, Kansas, where... Seven, it is. Osage. No, this is a different one. Oswego. O S W E G O. See how hard my life is? We're seven members of a 13. Show you how hard it is later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> seven members of a 13 member panel confirmed the identification and committed them for trial. 
Another of Mrs. Monroe's daughter, Mary, later provided an affidavit claiming that her mother was actually serving two years in the Detroit House of Corrections in 1872 for the manslaughter of her daughter-in-law, Emily Mark. Records of the incarceration back up this affidavit. So now it's just really murky, like, of who, who is who, and if these women are really those women. At her hearing, Mrs. Monroe denied any knowledge of the manslaughter charge and remained incarcerated with her daughter. Originally scheduled for February 1890, the trial was held over to May. Mrs. Monroe now admitted that she had married a Mr. Cher in 1872 and claimed that she had previously denied it. You mean Sonny Bono? Yes. (laughs) Cher (laughs) denied it and didn't want the court to know that her name was Cher at the time and that she had a conviction of manslaughter. Who would want to admit to being Cher? (laughs) Their attorney also produced a marriage certificate indicating that Mrs. Sarah Davis had been married in Michigan in 1872, the time when serving several of the murders were being committed. Eyewitness testimony was given that Mrs. Monroe was mob bender. Judge Calvin dismissed Mary Gardy, the Mary, the sister, affidavit, as she was a chip off the old block, which I thought that meant like a good thing, but he. Well, I mean, it just mean. Yeah, so he discharged. You know, them like both. when uh, when she's being a nasty uh, a poo head, yeah, four year old, and I look at you and I go, "She's a chip, chip off, off the old okay. block." Yep, that makes sense. But I mean, she's acting like you. Mm-hmm. Yep, she does affidavits and other papers are missing so further examination is impossible a number of search searchers question the ready acceptance of the affidavits authenticity authenticity and suggested that the county was unwilling to accept the expense of boarding the two women for an extended period while two women were certainly criminals and liars as their own defense attorney admitted the charges were weak and many people doubted their identification as the benders that's just an example of two women who got arrested. And they accused each other of being one or the other, but were not. And then other people were like, no, nah, that's not them. They're scummy humans, but it's not that scummy. Yeah. Okay, here's a list of some of their victims. The two that were found, no, three that were found in the river at the beginning is part of this. They weren't in a van, were they? No. Okay. Number four-ish, 1872, Ben Brown from Howard County, Kansas. He had... Uh, 2,600 on him, and he was buried in the apple orchard. 1872, W.F. McCrotty, <laughs> 123rd Infantry, so it was a military, he had 38 bucks on him, and a wagon with a team of horses went missing. December 1872, Henry McKenzie relocated to Independence from Hamilton County, Indiana. Ta-da! Ta-da! Where's Hamilton County? Is that Yuppies? That's uh, Fishers. Yeah, Yuppies. I was right. Sorry. If I'm sorry if I'm within it's just how Carmel. I just, yeah, it's just how I view the state. I, I separate it up and where we are is where the hicks are. I mean hillbillies. The median household income is significantly higher than anywhere else. And you can't in make Indiana. that shit up. You can't make it up. So he had thirty six dollars on him, so and that was seven hundred and sixty. If you like eating vegan, <laughs> go go there. Yeah. They have the most options. I think they have more fun indoor activities too there. Yes, they do. Yeah. Which are all closed right now. Okay, so $36 was $768, and a team of horses went missing. December 1872, Johnny Boyle from Howard County, Kansas, he had $10, a mare, and an $850 saddle missing, and he was found in the Bender's well. Victims 8 and 9, also in 1872, George Newton Longcore and his 18-month-old daughter, Marianne, in preparation for his return to Iowa. And then this is the neighbor. Dr. York went looking for him, and they were both buried together in the apple orchard. John Greer, 
buried in the apple orchard, unidentified male, apple orchard, unidentified female, apple orchard, various body parts. Parts do not belong to any of the other victims found and are believed to belong to at least three additional victims. So victims 17 through 20. During the search, the bodies of four unidentified males were found in Drum Creek. All four had crushed skulls and throats cut. So there are bodies everywhere. But I guess people died all the time back then. So it was just like hard to tell them all apart. I don't know. By including the recovered body parts not matched to the bodies found, the findings are speculated to represent the remains of more than 20 victims. They were reburied at a base of a small hill one mile southeast of the Bender's Orchards, known as the Bender Mounds. Their victims are buried in an, under mounds named after the perpetrators. Great. The search of the cabin resulted in the recovery of three hammers, a shoe hammer, a claw hammer, and a sledgehammer that appeared to match indentations in some of the skulls. These hammers were given to the Bender Museum in, in 1967 by the son of Leroy Dick, the Osage Township trustee who headed the search of the Bender property. The hammers were displayed at the Bender Museum in Cherry Valley, Kansas, 1967 to 1978, when the site was acquired for a fire station. When attempts were made to relocate the museum, it became a point of controversy. Some locals objected to the town being known for the Bender murders. Uh-uh. No more. Uh-uh. The Bender artifacts were eventually given to the Cherry Valley Museum where they remain in a wall-mounted display. So then people researching after this wrote a couple letters to, like, the sheriffs, mm -hmm. the relatives of sheriffs or the current sheriff to find out what they knew, what happened to the Bender. So I'll read just, like, a telegram. It's not anything long. So this was June 14th, 1910 the to Cherry Valley, Kansas. Yours just received. It so happened that my father-in-law's farm joined the Bender's farm, and he helped locate the bodies of the victims. I often tried to find out from him what became of the Bender's, but he only gave me a knowing look and said he guessed they would not bother anyone else. There was a vigilance committee organized to locate the Bender's, and shortly afterward, old man Bender's wagon was found by the roadside riddled with bullets. You will have to guess the rest. I am respectfully yours, J.N. Kramer, Chief of Police. And then one more. Telegram. Ind to Independence, Kansas, June 14, 1910. Dear sir, in regard to the Bender family, I will say that I have lived here for 40 years and it is my opinion that they never got away. A vigilante committee was formed and some of them are still here but will not talk except to say that it would be useless to look for them and they smile at the reports of some of the family having been located. The family nearly got my father. He intended to stay there one night, but he became suspicious and although they tried to coax him in to stay, he hitched up his team and left. Regretting that I cannot give you more information, I am respectfully yours, DM Van Cleve, Chief of Police. And that is all I have. All right. Yes. There's an episode of Evil Ken, season two, episode two. Evil Ken. <laughs> I got a couple of those. Yep. Episode 94 of My Favorite Murder. That's what I listened to. Okay. I did it. There you go. That's one of the, I mean, the old ones sometimes are real good. I was thinking about that for a live show. Obviously, like, that's too much information to cover. And our live show, odds are, is going to get rescheduled. I'm going to put some money on uh, it. 100%. Going to put money it just on got, it. It just did. Yep. And I bet it sounds like the school year's done, too. You've got to be fucking kidding me, I'm interested to see where this will go, and we'll just document it, and then our daughter can write a paper about it in college. I tell myself that a lot, that she'll just write a paper about it or do a project on it. Yeah. You know, that's what I say about my parents' midlife crisis podcast. 
Here, listen to the episode about the bloody benders. Okay. Carla's not here. Maybe she'll never be back. We don't even know with the way the world is working. All I know is right now we're reduced to one ply toilet paper. That's what I got is one ply. Yep. You can use one square at a time. What's for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Ramen. It's ramen noodles for dinner. Yep. All right. But but, you know what they say, oatmeal's better than oatmeal. I like that. I like oatmeal. Yeah, we've got some oatmeal. Yeah. Brown sugar cinnamon. Set them up, knock them down. Everyone, wash your damn hands. Stay away from everyone. Doomsday preppers are loving this shit right now. I hope you can survive. Start peeing in for the next eight weeks. Start saving your urine to make your own water. I don't know how that works. But as yeah, Doomsday preppers, we should start watching that show. Yeah. Yeah, that'll make you feel real good. This might actually be the first sporting event. The race in May. Well. Are you going to that? Can they keep people away from that? I mean, that's a lot of hillbillies that like to get together and drink. I think they would reschedule the race. Yeah. What timeline is this? Where are we? I know. Someone quit playing Jumanji. There are going to be giant mosquitoes next. I can't handle that. I don't have enough bug spray. I only have Purell. (laughs) Okay, so hopefully we can keep making podcasts, Daniel and I, because that's all you got to look forward to is podcasts in your life and Netflix, stuff like that. Outlander's good. We're watching The Last Czar. Really tiny titties. Um, I just read this the first thing I think. It was very interesting. I'm sorry. It's yeah. very interesting, too. Is there anything else we're watching? Frozen 2 came out. Make sure you sign up for that. The next Star it's Wars. It's free on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, don't like, buy the free. movie. Don't buy it. Just go to Disney. We didn't know they were going to do that. Ah, that's what I'll be hearing in the middle of the night. Yep. She's going to come in the room and be like saying that creepy shit. And I'm going to scream. I've been listening yep. to a lot of Spooked. That podcast, that's a good one. You know what the problem is? You know what's wrong with the, so the the coronavirus, whatever, you know, that's, they always say COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So it's not 2020, it's, it's COVID-19. Come on, Eileen. COVID-19. It's like, that's what someone said, they can't unsee that now and oh. everyone else has to suffer and my mom was singing it. My mom's name is Eileen. That's why it's funny. None of this is funny. Quit Except laughing. Except I got you, well, it's because I wanted to... Buy that shirt that said I came on Eileen. That's terrible. That's my that's your mother in law. You can't. Yeah, but it was funny before she was my mother in law. Okay. Okay, good. As long as there's that. What the fuck, Daniel? He's stuck in the house with you. What's my favorite color? Gray. Yeah, like my soul. It's a nice gray dinge to it. Okay. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the coin. I guess. I hope you survive this world. I'm sorry. I, there was no one in the showroom yesterday, so I picked up the phone, hit pound 90, <laughs> and shit right into its fucking uh, phone receiver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible.